and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about sad boys playing fake sports. You don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read Foxhole Court by Nora Sakovic. Joining us to discuss the self-published superstar are Rachel, a civilian who doesn't know how to use Twitter and lover of sports ball. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Hello. Um, and also joining us is Adrian, a porn star also known as Siri Doll, Twitter user, and former mediocre rugby player. Welcome, Adrian. Hey! <laughs> Hi! <laughs> and together they are the co-hosts of the After Adult Podcast. And we have so much to say at the top of the show. First of all, this is our first show back from our hiatus, and I feel like we are just... We've jumped straight in back to the deep end of reading bad books. Like we <laughs> did not ease our way back in with like a nice little Nora Roberts or something. We are just in it. Yeah. Which was perhaps <laughs> not the greatest choice on our part. Yeah. Oh, also, uh, I guess not hello to the one person who left a review saying that because we didn't talk about books in our end of year episode, they're quitting the podcast. Someone. I stopped reading That's... the reviews so long ago. Um, I wasn't. I was doing something else on the page, and it was the top review, and I was just delighted. Okay. That's really <laughs> well. Bye. That's so uh, rude. That's like someone announcing that, like, I get followers on Twitter once in a while who will see I post something anti-Trump, and they'll announce that they're unfollowing me. And I'm like, I, okay. Yeah, yeah goodbye. <laughs> um, all right. Well... We're back to talking about books, so I hope you're happy, whoever you are. But you quit, so so who cares? Um, um, so Rachel and Adrian are co-hosts of After Adult, and so when we picked this book, we, I think, all mistakenly thought that it was going to be a sexy book, just based on sort of what we'd heard about it. And it's not a sexy book, but it does have a lot of content warnings I'm going to tell you about, and they are suicide, child abuse, drugs weird mental health stigmatization um violence in general the book itself uses a lot of slurs in it i don't think we're probably not going to say the slurs but if you're going to read the book you'd be like wow wow that's a lot of words in this book um and also it's bad it's bad but that's maybe a general <laughs> that's for everything we read um so yeah the book is upsetting on a lot of levels so if you don't want to hear about that um, go listen to something else. I support you. Um, so I, I feel like, I feel like this is a book. This is, is it still self-published? Did she end up traditionally publishing it at Kate, any point? It is, it is still self-published. It is uh, incredibly popular and like has just a ton of fan support and reviews and people gushing about it. Yes. So, yeah, because this is something, yeah, we don't normally do, like, a self-published book um, because we, you know, we want to be punching out. But this is so popular, and the author, by the way, did I say your name right? Those of you who listen to audiobook, is it Nora Sakovic? Um, in the audiobook, the narrator of the audiobook pronounces it Nora Sakovic. Sakovic. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, I didn't check before we started the intro, and now we're just in it. So, Sakovic. Um there's no H in it. Should be an H in it, I think. Anyway, I think you did. I might. I might be. I don't know. <laughs> no, I didn't I, say. I, it. I, I'm sure it's fine either way. But <laughs> yeah, Nora's not going to listen. So, but 
we are sort of making exceptions for our normal, like, not self-published book thing because this one is is so popular and Nora has given interviews and stuff where she said that she intentionally didn't want to, to traditionally publish because they wanted her to make some changes to this book that she didn't want to. And like the, the purity of her vision was so important to her, but it's extremely popular among a certain crowd. And so if you haven't heard of it, you're not alone, but trust me, it's extremely popular among yeah, a subset was, of the population. It was like number I posted this in the Google document, but like Book Riot did their Tumblr book year in review for 2020. It was like number four of, (laughs) I guess, most top, like tagged and whatever of the books. And that is where I first heard about it in passing, which was um, between the time, if you, we talk about The Raven Cycle by Maggie Stiefitter on this podcast a lot and between Mm -hmm. the publishing of the third and fourth book uh blue lily lily blue and the raven king i saw a ton of people who i followed on tumblr who were very into the raven cycle start talking about this series and i think that the people who were specifically like very big fans of ronin in that book all kind of got into this series at the same time and it became very popular within like that fandom and I can see, I can see why it did. I can make the connection, but it's, also like, but also it's weird because those books are good, and those yes. books are books. And <laughs> also, by the way, so the, this is a trilogy, and the second book in the trilogy is called The Raven King, which is also obviously the title of The Raven King by Maggie Seafader. And I guess Nora S was like. Oh, I've never heard of the Raven Boys, which are much more like commercially, traditionally successful books. But she was like, oh, it's a coincidence. I've never heard of this before. Or actually, I think maybe Maggie's Raven King came out after her Raven King. And Maggie had to be like, I don't know what this is. But then anyway, I was on because Nora, the author, has a Tumblr. And so people were asking her about the Raven Boys. And she's like, well, I tried to read it, but I thought it was boring. And that is so wild to me because I love the Raven Boys. And, but it, like, and it goes to show you, I guess, like, everybody's, something is everybody's favorite thing. Like, you know, nothing is going to be everybody's cup of tea. And this book is a lot of people's cup of tea. Um, Renata Uh. mentioned in the document that we were doing to organize the notes for this show that it felt very after-esque to her. Mm -hmm. And I think that really like hits the nail exactly on the head. This is a self-published book that was originally published for free online on Smashwords. And like to be at the top, I don't like many very, very successful people who are very good writers self-publish books. But then there is also a subset of people who self-publish books because they don't want to turn their story into an actual book, which is also fine. If you choose to go that route, that's fine. But you do have to acknowledge that your story doesn't have a beginning, middle and end and that nothing happens in it. (laughs) And if if you want that to be what you publish, like, okay, but a story does have to have a beginning, middle and end, which this does not. It is just a very extended, like, pouring of id onto the page, which again, totally fine. I do that all the time in fan fiction. But 
it also kind of has to tell a story. And it yeah, and it and it like very abruptly drops out. Like the one thing I was thinking about was, I mean, in other worlds or yeah, in other lands, no, in other lands is much better than this. But it also kind of started, I think, as like a writing exercise, and so it doesn't necessarily have like it. It's more like an immersive experience. And the world building is really good in that. Whereas this, I guess I know the writer lives in North Carolina. <laughs> um, one other thing I want to say off the top too, is that this does remind me of after by Anna Todd, which we read for the podcast. And a big difference though, is that after was one direction fan fiction about the boys of one direction. And then in order to publish it, she did change it. So you know, she changed the names and was like, oh, this isn't about One Direction. It's just about, like, sexy British college students or whatever. This, <laughs> as far as I know, never was fan fiction of anything. This is entirely just her being like, these are my OCs and they play a sport. But I don't want to write about a real sport um, because – and there's a – okay, I looked it up. They play as – we'll get into the book soon. But I read some interviews and stuff with Nora because I was just like, who is this? Like, I got to – I'm so intrigued by her. And so she said that she has played both soccer and lacrosse, but notes that because her series features the fictional sport of XE, there was little sports sports research involved. Quote, one third research and two thirds fudging anything I could get away with, she says, which (laughs) you don't say. Yeah. And you know what? And again, that's I, I feel a little weird about what standard we should hold her to because she's very open about like. Yeah, I didn't do research. I didn't care. Like she didn't really market these. Even they got part. They got popular solely through like word of mouth. Um, she doesn't do a lot of interviews or press or anything. She just, you know, put these online. And because they appealed to so many people, not me. They there is. <laughs> It's hard for me to get my head around this because it truly to me, this was so unenjoyable to read, but it's, you know, like you gotta give it something to her that like this has tapped into what a lot of readers were looking for. And you know, this and like 50 shades of gray had that also where it, at first it really wasn't marketed. It really was spread by like word of mouth and like the online um, community and it really was tapping into what a lot of people wanted to read. And there's there's something to that that is very interesting to me, but also confusing. <laughs> very confusing. Yeah, I, feel, I feel like you have to hold it up to the standard of, like, your, I guess, not even your favorite, but just, like, a good fan fiction that you've read. Um, or, like, something... Or a good thing that you've read online that's fiction and, like, self-published. Because even Fifty Shades of Grey, I mean, it's, you know, whatever. Um, You all have talked about it a lot. It has a beginning, middle, and end. It has a beginning, it has a beginning, middle, and end. I mean, probably partially because I guess Twilight has a beginning, middle, and end. (laughs) But she did, she, I mean, she does, E.L. James talks about how she did extensive research that met on how good it was but like she tried she at least tried for sure. she tried and i think that's actually part of what bothered me 
the most is that if you're going to base your story around a sport, even if they only play one match in this whole entire book, there's only one game, but that was actually the worst chapter to read because I don't, I don't know anything about this sport. It doesn't, the rules are not set out for me in a way that makes sense. And even in the back of the book, in the, in the self-published book, there's like a whole breakdown of like, these are the teammates and like, this is their numbers and this is what like their, like what position position is. Yeah. And except I don't know what any of that means except goalkeeper. But I don't even know, like, I don't even know if it's like traditional, like it's one, two, three, four point system. For all I know, it's like tennis where the points are made up to confuse the common people. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Right. I have an X score of love, hate. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's very, um, you know, like, like I, I, I said this earlier and we do keep saying this and you know, we're very pro fan fiction on our show, but one of the great things about fan fiction is that your story doesn't have to be marketable. It can just be full of every single thing that makes you feel feelings in your heart, Mm -hmm. um, that you crave, which is what we in the business would call idfic. And that is what this is. Like my roommate who's read these and like when I told her we were reading these, she was like, oh, make sure you read a list of trigger warnings first because the number of things that happen in those books, like you would not even believe. And she said right off the bat, like, I love hurt comfort stories. Like I love stories where the characters are just brutalized by life and need to be comforted by their love interests. Like, but I know that you don't like that. So you're not going to like these. And it is 100% what this is. Like every terrible ridiculous over-the-top thing that you can imagine has happened to these characters and 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 if i'm if i may i there's there's hurt comfort fan fiction but then there's something called wump which is sort of like (laughs) over-the-top hurt comfort where the entire point is just like these characters have been like wumped upon and they're just like so badly hurt and with with a wump i believe there's usually like less less focus on the comfort and more just about like kind of wallowing in the hurt. And I feel like that's what we got here. Yes. Mm. I have been led to believe that in the later books, the amount of hurt picks up or the amount amount of hurt picks up. (laughs) That too, actually the amount of hurt picks up too from what my roommate has told me. Um, Yeah. I read some wiki pages. Yeah. I think there's more hurt, but then this is like, this is like, I don't know, level five hurt and level zero comfort. But then I think in your books, it's maybe like level 10 hurt and maybe we get up to like a three or four in the comfort or something. We should start talking about this book because it, it just doesn't. But I'm curious, like when the comfort picks up in later books, I, I just, there, there are, someone has sex at some point, right? Like. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Like, yes. like well, it, it's implied well, I, through like some of the stuff I read on Tumblr, like that there's some sex scene somewhere in some book. But I'm just like, how I don't understand. <laughs> there yes. is sex, but there's also um, reminder sexual assault. So, mm-hmm. and that's that's the wump part of it, I guess. Um, yep. It's it's all the one. Uh, all right, I would like to propose actually because we've talked at length about how this book doesn't super have a plot. I think I would like to start by is it, it revolves around this fictional sport called Xy, and 
Axie is a, and I, I was going to say like, she could have just made this a hockey romance. Like hockey is really popular, but I think a part of why she wanted it to be this fictional sport of Axie is because Axie in the world of this book was invented sort of recently, like in the last 20 years. And so there's these two characters who are called the sons of Axie because um, one of their moms and one of their uncles together invented the sport. Um, so they're sort of like XE royalty. And one of those is Kevin Day, who has the number two tattooed on his face. And he is team number two. And his adoptive brother, Ryko, has a one tattooed on his face. And he is on a different team. And we're not really actually going to talk about Ryko in this book so much. But um, they're like the XE royalty. And I guess you can't really have that with with like hockey because, you know, the, the inventors of hockey are, is, is dead. Probably. I don't know. I do think you could, I don't know. You could still definitely, I think in any sport, you can still have sport royalty. It's just that you would just have to say it's the new sport royalty. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, I guess you could be like, Oh, it's it's like Michael Jordan's son or whatever, or like whatever thing. But so there's that. And then also I think, Oh, I was just one other thing about XE is that it's, it's co-ed. And so I think she had these girl characters, but I don't really get why. Like, she could have just... It's not... To me, it doesn't seem like these characters being women is necessarily important. And I think she could have just, like, leaned into it and been like, yeah, they're all gay. It's all gay men. And I don't think mm-hmm. that would have changed too much. But- I think she only has girl characters in this book so that you can either hate them because they're hyper-feminine and women... In the case of Allison, mm-hmm. or or so that they can be like your mom, which is yep. like in the case of everyone else. That is true. Yep. Every other woman. That is true. Um, what were you Especially saying about Brene. I oh, I was just gonna say I think the sport of XE sounds awful, but I think if you added rollerblades to it, it would be really fun. <gasps> Ooh, yes. <laughs> Like lacrosse on rollerblades, that sounds great, and I love it. Wow, your mind! And I just think if you're gonna have a fictional sport, you should really go all out. Like, there's this—I've never watched this anime. I don't even remember what it's called, but the whole thing is that it's women who like fight with their boobs and their butts to try to knock each other off of pedestals. <laughs> and I just think. <laughs> I just think if you're going to come up with a fictional sport, you should really go balls to the wall or boots to the podium. I don't know. I just think you should really go for it. Yeah, I feel like Xy didn't really justify its existence to me because they're like, oh, it's kind of like soccer and lacrosse and maybe hockey. But it's like we already have soccer and lacrosse and hockey and this doesn't really seem to be bringing much value to the table. Right. And lacrosse and hockey are both pretty violent on their own. Like, right. Soccer, it I seems guess it to me on like who's playing, but I don't know. It kind of seemed like the reason for the invented sport was specifically so that she didn't have to do any research into the rules of an actual sport. And 100%. that's pretty lazy to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry. But, if, but given just... the amount of actual XE playing that they do, I don't think she even needed that. I think she could have been like, and then they played hockey and they lost. Yeah. And that's about. <laughs> And it, oh, and it was very violent, and everyone got hurt, everyone got hit with the hockey stick, but they still kept playing because they were tough, um, and then they lost, and then that was the game. And I think that's all, that's really all we're getting out of XE. You know, we're not getting, like, 
I guess there was a little bit, but it was confusing and bad. But we're not getting a lot of play-by-play of, like, and then he, like, ran to the half court and, like, swept the thing. Like, I don't know what sports are, so I don't know even how to do that. But neither does she, so it's fine. Yeah, I'm going to click through some of... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think the... My, I was talking to my friend about it, and she was like, I don't know why you're trying to fix this book. Because I was like, the literally any other, like, fictional universe or plot device, like, if there was, like, if this was gangs, if this was, like, gang wars, and then that, which kind of is. But, like, if you just got rid of the sports part, or you added, like, a supernatural element where it's, like, these are... These are vampires and they're playing baseball. Oh, (laughs) yes. Except they can only play during thunderstorms, so their season is really tricky. Yeah, I would love that book. (laughs) I'm going to clip through some of the plot real quick because we've been recording now for 20 minutes and haven't actually really explained very much what this book is about. All right, fine. Um, Fine. You want to talk about what the plot is? I'm dying to know what the plot is. Okay. Please tell me. Um, so we're, our narrator is a kid whose name is Neil Jostin, except Neil Jostin is not really his name um, because he is on the run from what at the beginning is a question mark from his past. Uh, and Neil Jostin is the latest in a series of uh, fake identities that he has been inhabiting. Uh, he is a teenager who is in high school. He plays Exy. Uh, and playing Exy for him is a big risk because he was very involved with Exy as a youth before he went on the run. Uh, and he is afraid that uh, people who we later learn are his father and the people who worked for his father might recognize him if he got very good at Exy, good enough to like be, I guess, like nationally high school ranked or whatever. Um And that plan kind of backfires because the coach, Coach Wymack, from the Palmetto State Foxes, which is a college-level XE team, um, show up at his last game of the season, along with a bunch of players from that team, to recruit him to Palmetto State. Mm -hmm. Uh, Among the players who are with him are, as Renata introduced earlier, Kevin Day, who not only is one of the first sons of uh, Exy is also a person who Neil knew in his old life, in his childhood. And he doesn't 100% think that Kevin will recognize him because he's changed his hair color and his eye color and his name. And it's been, you know, like 10 years or something like that. But he is very nervous because it does put him closer to being found out. Uh, also with Coach Wymack, are two twins named Andrew and Aaron. Aaron doesn't have a personality. Andrew's personality is very mean and yelling at people. That's his whole personality is mean for now. He later gets tortured added on to it. I think only Andrew comes, point of fact, I think only Kevin and Andrew come to the game and we just hear about the other players. By the way, Neil is playing for the Millport Dingoes, and I just want to mention that because this is America, and why is their team the Dingoes, anyway? Um, So the coach and (laughs) Kevin and the other players convince Neil against his better judgment to join the team, uh, and the coach implies that if if his parents, quote-unquote, are the issue, that he has ways to get around, like, getting 
their permission or letting them know with the implication being that maybe his parents are abusive because that's kind of what he has let everyone um on the team he's on now think because neil is homeless and he lives in the locker room and he doesn't think anyone knows but it's clear that the coach does know the coach definitely and and um and the coach coach wymack that's just like his typical mo is that he goes around collecting misfit toys like mm-hmm. there's they literally say that um i have the, the palmetto state oh. university foxes were a team of talented rejects and junkies because wymac only recruited recruited athletes from broken homes which to me sounds like it's a cult it does sound like a cult exactly it does sound like and, a cult and also it would be one thing if it was like and he turned these boys or boys and girls around and made them into star players but he doesn't they are in fact the last place team in the league so this is not a successful strategy <laughs> and so, it also but- sounds like she's saying that uh broken home like every kid that comes from a what whatever she means by broken home is a junkie <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is yes. deeply offensive for a yes. few reasons and also kevin okay by the way kevin had been on the ravens which is the best team but then he the broke edgar his... allen poe ravens no it's not the poe or... ravens the, it's edgar allen university oh ravens. sorry and it makes you think it infuriates me because it makes you think it's a poe reference and it, it is but it's not actually poe and it's just this like weird thing that she did um <laughs> Anyway, he used to be in the Ravens. He broke his hand. He can't. He couldn't play. So then he came to the Foxes, which is the worst team. Um, and he was uh, working as an assistant coach because he couldn't play because of his hand. And now that his hand is healed, he has learned how to play with his opposite hand, and he is joining the team as a player. Yes, and so he has come to recruit neil and he's like neil, I want you to be on the team because you play like you have everything to lose, and that infuriated me because the saying is like you have nothing to lose if you play like you have everything to lose when they make you like a careful and cautious player and i can't tell if that is like a typo that went unaddressed or you know like a brain fart that went unaddressed because it's a self-published or if this is some like next level thing comes like no you have everything to lose so that makes you a better player and i don't understand and i hate this book um so neil goes to south carolina he joins the team he's picked up from the airport by um andrew and his twin aaron and their cousin nikki um okay again i'm sorry to nitpick but it is weirdly important in the rules of this book neil is only picked up by andrew but he thinks that it's aaron um because andrew's like the crazy twin and aaron's the normal one and when the twin that he's picked up by is acting normal and then when he gets to the college he realizes eventually that like no this was andrew but he was acting normal and like what a weird trick and he figured it out and it's and also yes oh i was also going and also you have to know that it's aaron and nikki so andrew's twin and cousin only play for the foxes because kevin wanted andrew to play and then he would only play if he had his twin and cousin there yeah so they're not they're not as good as Andrew. Uh, there's a lot of nepotism in this sport (laughs) so 
So they they pick him up. He meets all the other team um, without getting into like every detail of everything that happens. Um, we get a lot. This book is like 90 percent exposition. We get a lot of exposition about um, all of the things that have just been described and also about the fact. And this is I'm going to be very mad about this for a couple minutes, mm-hmm. which is my right, I think. Yeah. Um, we find out that Andrew is a couple of years ago, some people assaulted his cousin Nikki and Andrew like beat the shit out of all of them to the point that they almost died. So he was brought up on charges, even though it was self-defense because it was an overreaction. And his deal for not going to jail is that he is on, uh, he's in therapy and he's on a medication. And if he's on the medication for like three or four years or whatever, and there's no repeat things, they'll take him off of it. But the way they talk about this medication, first of all, they don't call it medication. They call it medicine. They constantly say, you know, Andrew's on this medicine. And they call it a drug, which was They call it a drug. They refer to the times when he is not on his prescription medication as him being sober. Uh, They talk, like, basically constantly about like this this medication as a bad thing about like the fact that he is being made to assess his mental health as a bad thing it is it is an incredibly weird stigmatizing just like awful all around way to deal with this and it also, so like, bad. to call someone who is on psychiatric medication and not sober is also, like, incredibly astoundingly stigmatizing to this, like, to people who are sober from alcohol or substances, but on a medication. And this is this, like, outdated thing that people might not know and the author might not know, but, like, you used to not be able to talk in AA or NA groups, and in many of them you still can't about being on psychiatric medication because you would be considered not sober if you had abstained from alcohol for years and you were an alcoholic and that was your problem, but you were taking, you know, antidepressants, you didn't count as sober and you had lost your, like, sobriety chips because that, like, that was a thing that used to be a thing. (laughs) Oh, oh my god! I did not know that. Yeah, I, did I didn't either. That. And and it's still a thing in a lot of places. Like it's it's much better now than it was back in the day. But like, it, it there are still places where you you're supposed to be abstaining from all substances in your life. Yes. Including- oh my god. Okay, and so and that's fucked up. And the way that they talk about it is fucked up and confusing. But also. It does sound like the way they describe the medication that he's on, it doesn't sound like they have the dosage right or whatever, because when he's on the medicate, and I had to keep rereading this because I was like, I must be like, my eyes are blurring over. I don't get it. But when he's on the medication, he's manic. And when he's not on the medication, he's not manic. And I'm like, but that's <laughs> fix your fix your dosage, my guy. Like, what are you doing? And so especially if he's talking to a therapist, I assume, I mean, as part of his deal, he would be speaking with a psychiatrist and a therapist. They would, but which just, it's clear that that the author does not know what the difference is between a psychologist mm-hmm. and a psychiatrist. No, and also that yeah. she doesn't really know what a real manic episode is. Which is to me, it's not just her. Like, but yeah, I, I don't know. Adrian and I have seen like firsthand what manic episodes look like, and. 
it's not just that you're like really happy. Yeah. yeah. A lot more than that. And it also, yeah. it'll flip back and forth depending on what the book needs it to be. Yeah. Because there's also, they also talk about how he doesn't take his medication before games, which you're not supposed to know. We find this out later. Because if he does take it, he'll not play as good. Yes. But, like, if he, he's off it for a couple hours, then, like, he is, like, wild and he plays better. <laughs> yes. And his withdrawal and- lasts. He, he feels withdrawal, like, 30 minutes after he doesn't take a pill. It's so insane. Like, yes, how yes. often they are talk you about, taking these? They talk about how, yes, yeah, he has to adjust the dose, dosage depending on what time of the day the game is. And he misses his first dose half an hour before the game. So what, is he supposed to take this drug hourly? Like, no wonder he feels, quote, drug to the gills. <laughs> like, I, I can't. I can't. So I think, it's, I think that Nora Sakovich thinks that like medication for mental health is actually just like taking Advil. So like when you start to get a headache again after like four hours, you should keep taking Advil <laughs> and <laughs> up to the prescribed dose. So she's just like, well, you know, he's starting to feel manic again. He should take more. Yes. No, sorry. He's starting to feel psychotic again. He should take more medication so he can be man- manic. Yeah, instead. Just the concept that a person with mental illness who, who like, might get into a psychotic state of mind that the that they're just perpetually psychotic forever and, and like and like and like oh better take my like that's just not how anything fucking works like it's so bizarre uh, everything about it is so bizarre yeah um but so so we find that out we also um find out a little bit more about other players on the team they haven't come back yet um, but they'll be back, uh, I think, in June, and now it's May. Um, and even though the dorms don't open until June, the coach is letting Neil sleep on his couch. And Neil's uncomfortable about this because he is uncomfortable being in rooms with men who are older than him alone, being alone in rooms with men who are older than him mm-hmm. because of his PTSD, which is not called that, of course, because why would they use a sensitive mental health term in this book, mm-hmm. um, around issues with his father's abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also, everything he owns can fit into one bag, including a binder that is full of important papers, which we don't know what they are for quite a while, but he is very protective of the binder. He won't let it out of his sight. And if he does, he tries to make sure it's locked up securely. And um, Annie has a complicated Nancy Drew system, so we can tell if anyone's looked at it. Yes. Um, so the first few weeks he is living with the coach, uh, he and Kevin and the twins and Nikki, the cousin, are practicing Exy all the time. He's given his own keys to the locker room and stuff. Uh, they haven't really, they're very suspicious of him. Andrew is very aggressive towards him all the time. And Kevin is like violent. Him like very he hits hard. him, like just, he hits him with the racket so hard that they think his ribs are broken, but then they're not broken. Like it, unhinged violence outside of the game just sort of like walks up and hits you. And everyone's like, that's just how Andrew is. Ha ha ha. It's fucked. He also, like, his cut, co- the cousin Nikki is gay. And either engaged or married to someone who uh, is living in Germany, Germany, which is where he used to live. Mm -hmm. And all the the boys can speak 
German and French. And no, so can Neil, no, but he ne- won't talk. Kevin, Kevin speaks French. Nikki, Aaron, and Andrew speak German. Um, Neil speaks both secretly, so he eavesdrops on them. And Doesn't this- Kevin also speak German? I don't think so. I don't know. I think he just speaks French. And then, and then the reason why Neil speaks French and German is because he, at one point, him and his mother were on the run in Europe not just in the US. But Kevin does speak Japanese. I I yes. know, I can't believe I just said that. Kevin speaks French and Japanese. A lot of these people speak a lot of different languages and it's It's pretty impressive for a br- bunch of junkie kids who grew up in broken <laughs> homes. Broken yes. Homes. And it- very underprivileged that they've all grown up speaking these European languages somehow. Yes. <laughs> also, they're all supposed to be in college except i and like this is not i graduated college when i was 23 but i also like took a break from college for like a year and was not on a ncaa tier one that's what this that's what this team is Mm -hmm. team and i don't think that the ages don't make sense and also everyone is really short yes that's Um, definitely one of her things (laughs) Everyone yeah, Andrew really and Aaron short. are literally five foot even. Five foot zero is how tall those twins are. <laughs> and, and Neil is five three. And I, and like the only one who seems to be tall is another teammate, Matt. Except I don't know what that means in this universe. I, and not to, not to dunk on you if you're, if you identify as male and you're short. We stand a short king. I just find it confusing. Yeah. I th- I think it just clearly is something that Nora's into is like short men. I think that's, yeah. I think um, that's what that is. Just to, to breeze through a little bit more of this. Um, so just a couple important things that happen to the plot. There's a lot that happens that isn't important and a lot of exposition. Um, Nikki, as I said, uh, is queer and his partner lives in Germany and he makes a comment about like hitting on Andrew because he says, uh, not Andrew, Neil, and says to Neil, like, are you know, are you gay? Are you straight? And Neil essentially says, like, none of the above. And he like pushes it to a point that I did not like it is past a boundary, but it is not like obsessively past a boundary. But when he does so... Andrew pulls a knife on him Uh and it is very clear that he will seriously fuck him up if he like decides to like take it any further, which like I do, I do understand that people have boundaries, but also probably don't like stab them in the heart because it it, it is all so bizarre. Um, So they, they they're going through all of this. And and one day after a run, um, Neil comes back to the apartment where he's staying with the coach and sees that Kevin is like losing his shit and kind of eavesdrops on him losing his shit. And the coach explains to him afterwards when he sees that he's eavesdropping that Kevin, as we said, was one of the first sons of Exy and uh, actually basically belongs to... um, the Moriyamas this, this, are the other family, or the other Exy family, and um, they are in with the Ravens. And he belongs specifically to Riko Moriyama, who's Rico. been Rico, sorry, who has been referred to as his brother, but apparently is actually his quote owner. 
Yeah, so <laughs> they they grew up together, you know, deep in this exe. Um, Kevin played for the Ravens prior to this, as we mentioned. The Ravens are the best team in the league. Um, Rico's family is in with the Yakuza, but he's in a branch that's not, like, super involved in the murdery parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they explain, like, the whole hierarchy of who's involved in the murdery parts and who's not. And technically, like, Rico and his father are not, but also, like, clearly they know people who are. And Rico actually broke Kevin's hand. He didn't break it in a ski accident, but Rico broke it because Kevin was better at XE than him. Mm-hmm. And Kevin came to Coach Wymack and told him all this. So Coach Wymack like took him away and said, like, that's bad. So you should come with because, me. Because Coach Wymack used to be friends with his mom who died, who I'm assuming we'll find out died in something Yakuza related. Because, I mean, it's if you kept on reading the books, I mean, because yeah. that's because no one dies a natural death in these books. Um, Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. No one's By the way, the only reason to die I was of in, old age. The only reason I was an opening for Neil on the team is that the player he replaced had died by suicide before the season. And everyone was just like, oh, that's just how the foxes are because they're all like junkies and fuck ups. Anyway, you need a new player. It's so casual. No one is upset about it. Anyway, no, no one, is no one, no one questions, then, how, you know, how well the team psychiatrist is doing when <laughs> yeah. their team members keep just offing themselves. <laughs> She's bad. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, uh, so the with all the Yakuza and um, the Ravens and whatever, the thing that has set Kevin off specifically is that the Edgar Allen University has transferred to be in the same conference as Palmetto State. And so now the Ravens and Foxes will be facing each other, um, like playing yeah. against each other. And uh, he is he Kev, uh, Nikki Kevin sorry they're all they all have these very basic white boy names and it drives me crazy yeah um, Kevin is afraid that they will try to take him back to the Ravens um, and coach implies that Andrew won't let that happen um, they so they move into the dorms Neil moves all his like special stuff he shoves it in a drawer because there's nothing with a lock on it yet so then he goes out to buy school supplies and buys a safe that he can put his special binder in but when he comes back to his room he discovers that someone has gone through his things which he can tell because he elaborately folds all of his clothes in a particular way but he also folds the tags in a particular way yeah and whoever has gone through has refolded his clothes but not refolded his tags yeah and that is it's his nancy drew konmari system Yes, and that, is when we, and that is when we find out that the thing that is in the binder is all of these newspaper clippings about Kevin and Rico and how good they are at XE, and in between those are important fake legal documents and just scads of money and like, I like 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 stock receipts, yeah, like ways that he could access. It's not like cash, but like it's like Bitcoin. Anyway, yeah, and so also like, like weird, weird contact sheets that are also like coded in some obscure nursery rhyme that's just from that's like exactly what it says in the book. So you don't know what it is. And and so uh-huh. he does have it. So we find out he has an uncle, but he never went to go live with his uncle in England after his mom died because he would still be in danger. <sighs> Yeah. D- yeah. He doesn't really thoroughly explain the binder system in the first like we can as- I guess we're supposed to think that like 
it's too much of a risk of him getting found out or tracked or like by his father for Neil to use a cell phone. But I, it's just hilarious to me that this is like in 2013, I assume this book was written in like, it's written in 2013. It's supposed to be taking place present day. And there's a teen, a, a high schooler in 2013. Who's like, I'll just gather these newspaper clippings in a binder. Cause that's yeah. safer than any other option. Yeah. <laughs> And we also yeah. find out, I think at some point during all this, that he and his mom were on the run and his mom died because their dad, his dad caught up with him and that, and she received a fatal injury, but they managed to escape. And that like, I guess when he was nine or like in middle school, does not just sometime in middle school, she died and he burned the car that they had been driving to leave. What I'm saying is Neil had a very fucked up childhood. <laughs> yeah. And he won't shower with the team because he doesn't want anyone to see all his many scars, which are graphically detailed. Like, he's just been obviously horribly abused. And his father was called the Butcher of Baltimore. And so he has a lot of, like, knife wounds. And it's just, like, very graphically described. And again, this is clearly, like, the hurt comfort trope that Nora is into is these scars. But it's all yeah. hurt. No one so, has comforted anyone yet. Correct. <laughs> it's true. Um, so he sees that someone has taken his binder and he like stomps into the room that some combination of Kevin, the twins and Nikki are in and confronts them about it. And they act like they don't know what he's talking about. And um, they eventually like they're like, oh, you should come out with us tonight. And he says he doesn't want to, but they convince him to do it anyway. Um, and the first the first note that they know that Andrew at least knows what's go what was happening in the binder is he tells him not to put his contact lenses in. Cause the other thing that was in the binder was all of his Brown contact lenses and the slip, the forged prescription slip for the contacts. Yes. And he does that. And they, they go out, they drive him up to Columbus with them in their car and they go out for, dinner but really what they're doing at dinner is buying drugs <laughs> okay are... okay and this is where we must dig into this because the drug is called cracker dust and the way that you order this is you go to the specific restaurant and you ask for the called ice sweeties. cream special it's called sweeties and i keep misremembering it as friendlies which is real but um, <laughs> they go to sweeties and they order the ice cream special but meanwhile andrew is off his drugs and he's in withdrawal, so he's eating crackers because he's nauseous from withdrawal. But then the drug is called crack... So he goes in, and before they even order, he just takes all these crackers from the salad bar and starts, like, devouring crackers. And then they order the drug cracker dust. And I was like, oh, is the cracker dust drug just at the salad bar? But no, he's just <laughs> separately eating regular crackers. And then they order cracker dust, which is, like, the jingle jangle of Xy. <laughs> So they they go out to this club after they pick up their drugs and their cracker dust. Um, Neil has been insisting the entire time, like, I don't drink, I don't drink. And they're like, it's okay, like, you can just get sodas. So they order all drinks for them and a soda for Neil and he starts to drink it and he's like, wow, this is so sweet and weird tasting Can Compared to what soda normally tastes like. Oh, well, I'm sure this is fine. No, then he immediately, like, flips out and he's enraged. Like, well, he has well, one little... Because he also has not, he goes on this, like, tangent, because whatever, about how he hasn't had soda in, like, such a long time because he stopped drinking soda 
to, I don't know, become a better sports ball man. Yeah, because it's not after the first one. It's when they, they give him a second or third one that he, and he goes to like stand up or something that he realizes he's drugged. Mm. It's not like that first hit where it tastes very strange. Like he keeps going. Yeah. And then after additional ones, he, I think he like tries to stand up or something and realizes that there's something wrong with him. And then, like, goes into a rage that he's been drugged against as well, which, like, obviously, yes, that would be a thing that you would go into a rage about. Mm -hmm. Um, And he doesn't remember much after that. And he wakes up the next morning in a strange house. Oh, but also Nikki, Nikki, the gay cousin, kissed him, but, like, slipped drugs in the kiss and was like, it's just easier if you just go with what Andrew says, because he's a psycho, don't forget. Yes, which is not the only way he's drugged. It's an additional way he's drugged. Just additional. Yeah. So then it turns out he wakes up. He wakes up and he realizes he's told that he paid a bus by $100 to knock him out so that he wouldn't reveal any secrets while drugged. And he learns that this is just a thing that Andrew does. And everyone's just like, this is just a quirk that Andrew has is he takes people to get cracker dust and secretly drugs them just so he can find out if they're a threat or not. And then Andrew... Um, sorry, then Neil is outraged, obviously. Um, he hitchhikes back to campus by this elaborate thing that we don't even need to get into, but he hitchhikes back to campus so he doesn't have to ride back with them. And every, and it's like hours of hitchhiking. And when he gets back, everyone is like, Neil, that's crazy. Why would you do that? And you would you should have just called us. And I do not blame Neil at all for not trusting these people because they are just like, well, that's just how Andrew does. Like, whatever. And everyone's like, fairly nonchalant about this whole thing it's true um, also so i thought nikki had ha- sorry i thought nikki had like a like sexually assaulted uh, um neil because at this point we don't like the last thing is that like nikki the last thing in the chapter is that nikki kisses him and then like, when the he's rest drugged of the night yeah while well, he's drugged the rest of the night is just flashes in color and then he wakes up in bed next to nikki right and and, like, so I knew he had been drugged, but, yeah, I don't, yeah. He stays with the, co- he goes back to the coach's house um, and is trying to play off what happened because he doesn't want anyone to know that he's in pain emotionally or being tortured by these boys. Uh, and then Andrew shows up and he explains, Andrew makes him, tells him, like, I found your binder of, super, of like, secret stalker articles and, like, my job is protecting Kevin, so, like, I will kill you if you're going to hurt him. And he figures out that, like, he can't lie to Andrew because Andrew's good at telling if people are lying, but he is afraid to tell anyone in his life the whole truth. So he tells Andrew, like, half the truth, which is that his father was in business with the Moriyama family and he fucked up and... Like, he's, Neil has been on the run because people who worked with his father are going out to get him and that he was friends with Kevin and Rico as children and they probably don't even remember him, but he's keeping all the articles because he's so angry that they got to have normal lives and he didn't. And, like, all of this, like, weird half-truths that Andrew believes and at that point, like, Andrew accepts him after that because he understands, like, what his deal is and that he's not after Kevin and that he, too, is broken mm-hmm. or whatever. Yes. He also, um, at this point, reveals to Andrew that he speaks German. Yes. Which has been a um, secret up to that point. 
So they have their first game um, and it's boring and has really nothing to do with the plot, except that we find out that thing about Andrew not taking his medication before games. Mm -hmm. Uh, And after the game, they are asked, Kevin specifically is going to be on a talk show with the Kathy show, whatever that is supposed to be, Um, (coughs) some sort of morning show and the team is going with him for support and then... Once they get there, uh, Neil finds out that Kevin has also told Neil that he is going to go on the show. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't want to, of course, because what if his father sees him? But they convince him to do it anyway. Instead of him saying to Kevin, a person who probably would understand this, hey, like, there are people who are trying to kill me. I can't be on national television. He just Mm -hmm. kind of rolls with it. Yes. Uh, I I don't think it's even national because they... No, it is. It is well, national. It's a national syndicated talk show because that's why they're also like, oh my god, we get to go see Kathy. It that's filmed in Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay, the I thought they said it was just like the number one, like in in like uh, South Carolina or something. I didn't think no, it was it's just number one in the nation. Cool. Yeah, in Raleigh, <laughs> North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, because everyone it. likes that. You know, that's realistic. Cool. Yeah. Um, so Kathy has a surprise and the surprise is that Rico is also there and she's going to have Rico come out so they can talk about how wild it is that now the Ravens are playing in the same division as the Foxes and they might have to face each other. And, uh, instead of just kind of like letting Rico walk all over Kevin, Neil starts to stand up for him and starts to like get pick at the things that Rico was saying and like knock Rico down. I mean, not physically, but like with words, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which Kevin's like not. Because these are a lot of casually violent people. It's true. Um, which Kevin isn't like thrilled about it, but Neil won't let him be taken advantage of. Um, and then afterwards, Andrew's like, cause Neil has been saying the entire time, like I'm just going to play until the game against the Ravens and I will leave. I'll drop out of, everything out of school out of the team i'll drop off the face of the earth before the game with the ravens so that it won't cause me or anyone else any problems Mm -hmm. and he had said that to andrew and andrew was like "Mm, you can't because kevin believes in you Mm -hmm. and so you have to do everything he says to make his life good i guess Kevin, (laughs) kevin is like the least charismatic cult leader i've ever seen yeah like everyone's very Um, devoted to him but why i don't know so after he like stands up, Neil stands up to Rico on this talk show, uh, Andrew says to him afterwards, like, well, now you can't leave the team for real because if you do, Rico will come after you. So as long as you're here, we can protect you because Rico is afraid of Andrew, mm-hmm. I guess. Yes. Which doesn't all, really all make five any sense. feet of him. All five, yeah. all five very aggressive feet of Andrew. <laughs> So they they head back to the school after that. And the last thing that happens in the book is we find out that Seth, who is a different, they all go out to to party again that night. Mm -hmm. This time they don't drug Neil against his will. Mm -hmm. Um, He just is able to allow to drink normal sodas. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they get a call when they're out partying that uh, Seth, who is the first string player for Neil's position position has died of an overdose except that they don't think it was an overdose because 
because there was Seth's an elaborate good at thing drugs. that they. Because basically, yeah, like, they, because Seth's good at drugs, and the specific drug that he overdosed on isn't something that he would have done, basically. And also because and if, he's with, like, this, the team is very incestuous, and so he's <laughs> with, he's with um, someone on the team, Allison, who we're supposed to hate because she's, I don't know, a girl, and mm-hmm. and they're when they're together, he doesn't do drugs, but and so she even checked his pockets before they went out to make sure there were no drugs because she's a good mom. Yes. No, no, she's not the mom. She's she's the whore who we're supposed she, to I mean, hate. she's the mom to him. Oh yeah, okay. That's true. Fair. True. But we yes. hate her. We hate her. We hate yes. we hate all the girls. And actually I hate most people in this book. But anyway, so for reasons they immediately know that Seth isn't it wasn't an accident. It was like Rico was behind this and the reason is that now Neil isn't a bench warmer anymore. Now he is like the first striker which is the position name it just doesn't matter because i don't even know what it does but now that's sort of the end of the book is the setup and realization that like oh they want you to play and like you're a fox now for real and no one seems very sad that seth is dead at all and that's the end of the book no kevin i think actually says what about the lineup no (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i just um yeah and so it's you know it's setting up for like whatever in the next book but mostly what this does was like sorry mostly what this does was introduce these terrible characters to us and like unlock most of their tragic backstories to you the reader and to some extent to each other and by the way here's what i think is wild is reading this and i knew that it had this kind of like horny fandom and that there's a lot of like shipping fix of it and because the writing is confusing and bad a i thought for a while that andrew and kevin had dated and broken up but i they didn't but they refer to andrew as like having spurned kevin and then kevin being obsessed and it's all because andrew didn't want to play on kevin's other exe team the raven but they write about it in this sort of like weirdly sexy way that was genuinely confusing to me but I had assumed, because, again, I knew of this history of the book, and um, I thought that the main pair would be um, Neil and Kevin, because they're so obsessed with Kevin, and also because Andrew is so legit unhinged that I was just like, uh, I don't know. Um, So I really thought that it was going to be that, but I guess it's not. It's about Andrew and Neil become like a canon couple by the third book. They actually are dating each other and yeah, their end game, their end game. And Kevin dates a girl, I guess, but um, what? I don't know. And yeah, again, this I, I think is like me not being into this type of couple. And obviously other people are. And by that, I do not mean gay. Obviously. I mean, this like toxic, like we're too like very growly, like, whatever you know what i mean like i don't i'm not into that but again i know a lot of people are like he falls in love with the guy who drugged him yeah yeah like uh mm, and and also it's like it's weird because they did you know that you find out andrew's gay because one of his straight teammates calls him the f word and then Mm. states that he would have just called him the psycho one except that's like all of his family um, or the weird one or whatever. And, but then also like everyone is really worried about um, 
the first mom character, Renee, who's on their team and has a short bob with white hair, but the tips are colored pastel. It's very important that you know this. And also she Mm -hmm. is religious, so she always wears a cross. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess they're worried about her corrupting or him corrupting her. Mm -hmm. Like as if it's, I felt like it was telegraphed that they would get together and then yeah. that Kevin and Neil would get together. That's not what's happening, but. It no, was... Renee is just Andrew's mom. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's just, it's a lot. The book is like 90% exposition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's, you know, it's a, the way it, it just doesn't work. Like I, I feel like I look for different things from a book than I do from a fanfic. And when I'm reading a fic, like maybe I want like all sorts of weird plot devices that are all my favorite things that don't go together or do go together, but like don't really make for room for an actual story to happen. And that's fine. And it's again, like I'm not sure how, what standard to hold this up to because it's not traditionally published. She didn't want it to be traditionally published. And I'm unclear if she wanted us to consider it a book under what someone would consider the the specifications the the characteristics that a book needs to have i don't know (laughs) if that makes any sense but it is really a struggle because i don't you know to keep saying like this doesn't have a full story well like okay but was it supposed to does she think it does but I think you do. I think have she to thinks it, it does. I was about to say, yeah, I think you do have to consider a book because I assume, like, when someone approached her for publishing, I don't know, citation needed, um, that they that they were the ones who suggested we turn it into a trilogy because like teen trilogies are cool. Except, if someone like had suggested that, I assume they wouldn't have ended it. Like they would have said, okay, we're going to end it here. There will have been the rising, the falling, whatever. And then the second book would pick up where that happens, where instead in this book, we're just left off on this cliffhanger. And I guess the emotional arc is that Neil finally trusts them enough to call them home. I don't know, to call being as part of the Palmetto State Foxes home. But to, I, I just... I don't know. I want to actually read a little bit from I this article from Publishers Weekly that's sort of an interview with her. Um, and so she says, or the article says, it started as an interest in fanfics in anime. Sakovich was immersed in the world of, quote, shipping, a fanfic staple that involves pairing up real or fictional characters for romantic <laughs> relationship that are unlikely or non-existent in their respective worlds. This is where you'll see things getting hot and heavy between Harry Potter and Draco Malfoy, Marjorie Terrell and Sansa Stark, or Jack Frost and Elsa. Sakovich decided to try her... Sorry. Sakovich <laughs> decided to try her hand at writing her own M slash M stories. The three books remain atop the Smashwords bestseller list and are among Amazon's top digital sellers in their category. She says, To have so many people take a chance in such a strange story is so far beyond what I'd hoped for that sometimes I don't even know how to handle it. In a world where indie author spends hours a day promoting their work across social media platforms, Sakovich is an outlier. There is no contact form on her blog for readers to reach her easily. Her Twitter is set to private. I've done almost squat to promote the book, she says. 
Part of this reluctance was initially motivated by a fear of how the books would be received. Yes. While she's proud of the (laughs) series, she also refers to the books as, quote, a self-indulgent angry mess that wasn't intended for public consumption. When she finally self-published the series, she didn't tell any of her friends. Many of her friends still don't know she's a writer. It was Tumblr users who found and championed the books. Quote, Tumblr's community is really enthusiastic and creative, and the books would be nothing without the legwork my fans put into talking about them. Sakovich says traditional publishing is still a dream of hers. The thought of walking into Powell's and finding something of mine nestled on the shelf is just so exciting, she says. As for her next projects, one's about an ace teenage witch in San Francisco, and the other, well, if I ever figure out how to summarize it, I'll let you know. This is from 2016. I don't think she's published any of those other ones. I think she's just, let me double check that now, but I think she's just these. <laughs> Unless she did it under another name, which I wouldn't look more. Yeah. But I think because she put it out for, like, as, even if it's self-published, since she decided to do it, we have to consider it a book? We have to consider oh. it a book. She did have another book come out in 2019 called Elysium. There's so there's three of these all of the game books, which are all from like 2013. Elysium. It doesn't. I just want to say that when when I was listening, like I kept talking to my boyfriend about this as I was reading it, and just like bitching about how much I hated it. Mm -hmm. And he kept he he. There were many occasions where he cut in and was like, "Are you sure this isn't Harry Potter fanfic?" You know, I think I would, I would like this <laughs> which didn't make sense to me Potter at first. But fiction. <laughs> when they were playing Quidditch, well, yeah. Like, I mean, Neil's parents are dead. Yeah, but yeah, but these characters—they're not close enough. Whereas, like, again, like with Fifty Shades of Grey, you can be like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, I see where yeah. this used to be, Edward and Bella. I don't know what this is. Um, also, the covers. <laughs> you should move on but one last thing the covers are so bad and in the end she's like and thanks to my sister for making the covers and like that tracks your sister did make these covers <laughs> and and you know what and she never bothered to make new ones and she sold so many of these books with those shitty covers so like what the fuck do i know are you talking about the one with like the fox paw yes because the it, audiobook even, the audible know. cover is like a very moody portrait of a uh like a photograph of a man that's you know obviously supposed to be neil but it looks very much like gay romance which is part of why i got so pumped thinking "Ooh, this is gonna get sexy (laughs) um the audible cover is way different interesting okay well anyway that's these books let's let's do our dramatic readings and give you all just like a a direct um unmedicated hit of these books (laughs) (laughs) so our first one will just be kate as neil slash our narrator trying valiantly to explain andrew's whole situation to us all right neil was annoyed by the trick and relieved he'd seen through it but caution overrode both andrew wasn't cheerful naturally his mania was drug-induced court-ordered Two years ago, some men attacked Nikki outside of a nightclub. Andrew was within his rights to defend Nikki, but he'd almost killed the four of them. The, co- the courts thought his violence to be a gross overreaction and tried to charge him. His lawyer struck a deal instead. 
Andrew would spend some time in intensive therapy, attend weekly counseling, and take medication. After three years of this, they'd let him off his medication long enough to assess his progress. Sobriety at any point before that was a violation of his parole. If the team nurse, Andrew's current psychiatrist, or the court psychiatrist who managed Andrew's parole suspected Andrew wasn't following the rules, they could request a urinalysis. If Andrew failed, he'd be charged. Andrew only had to hold out through spring, but apparently he couldn't wait that long. Neil couldn't believe Andrew would even risk sobriety when the consequences were so steep. He wondered if his arrival had to do with it, if Andrew wanted to meet his newest teammate without a hazy mind, or if Andrew just hated spending his summer break drugged to the gills. Guess what? <laughs> if your psychiatric medication makes you feel groggy, <laughs> you should probably talk to your practitioner to see if you could be put on a different medication. Or a different dosage. Like, it yes. could really, like, uh, Yeah, stop taking it hourly, Andrew. <laughs> that that might be part of the problem. I would really, I would like to read the fanfic of this that is just Andrew's court-ordered psychiatrist being like, Andrew, why am I refilling this prescription so early? Well, I've been taking it hourly. It says so. No, you're only supposed to take it daily, Andrew, not just... Mm. it's very i mean like i i can acknowledge that there are a lot of issues with all different types of psychiatric medication with the side effects with the fact that people don't do as much research into the side effects as they should because people don't respect folks with mental illness as much as they should and that you know there are some people who are stuck on medications that make them feel bad ways because it's all that works for them however that is not the implication given by this book the implication given by this book and author is that any psychiatric medication makes you feel like a pod person and that you can't be real and unique in yourself unless you're not on it. Anyway, that's yeah. my rant. And, and you can't be good at XE if you're on it. <laughs> and that's the real shame. Yeah. Um, okay. The next dramatic reading is um, just un unlocking some backstory with um, Adrian as Neil and Kate as Coach Wymack. <laughs> All right. I'm telling you this because everyone else here already knows the story from Kevin, but don't worry about the Yakuza. Like I said, Kengo and Ichi Ichiru? Sure, we'll go with that. And Ichiru mostly keep to New York and couldn't give a flying fuck what Tetsugi and Riko do. The only way it's relevant to us is explaining why Tetsugi and Riko are violent and rotten. They have a lot of power behind their name and a rather twisted view of their place in the world. And we happen to have something of theirs. Kevin, Neil said. I'd, <laughs> I'd hope they'd thrown him away. Everyone said Kevin would never play again. Edgar Allen had to release Kevin from his school contract because of the severity of his injuries, and Tetsugi didn't argue when I took Kevin on as an assistant coach. I thought they were ready to let him go. But Tetsugi didn't take Kevin in out of the goodness of his heart. He raised Kevin to be a star. He put a lot of time and money into Kevin's development on the court. As far as Tetsugi is considered, Kevin is valuable property. Any profit Kevin makes is rightfully the Moriyama's. But Kevin's handicapped. He's still a name. He wants Kevin to transfer back? 
if he wanted Kevin to transfer back, he'd just say so. Kevin wouldn't really go back. Not after what Rico did. Tetsugi never formally adopted Kevin. Do you know why? Moriyamas don't believe in outsiders or equals. Tetsuki took Kevin in and took over his training, but he also gave Kevin to Rico. Literally. Kevin isn't human to them. He's a project, he's a pet, and it's Rico's name on his leash. The fact that he ran away is a miracle. If Tetsugi called tomorrow and told him to come home, Kevin would. He knows what Tetsugi would do to him if he refused. He'd be too afraid to say no. Um, by the way, a fact that I learned from reading through the wiki is that Coach Wymack is Kevin's biological dad, and I don't what? know at what point. Yeah, I don't know. What? If, I don't know if the coach knows that at this point in time, or if that's like a reveal to everyone, or what. Um, do I just oh, like God. wandered through and walked over the keyboard and left in dismay? I don't know how much uh, that was audible, but it was Duarte Amberade. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Coach is Coach is Kevin's dad. The thing that I learned from the wiki is that. Um, spoiler if you're gonna read the next two books uh is that i guess the i guess they win against the ravens and uh rico gets shot in the head by his own brother because because he lost just like straight in the head um (laughs) uh for shaming the family i guess i don't know wow i would have thought it would have been the face tattoo but what if i know (laughs) Are, are all the teammates, is their reaction just what happens to the lineup now? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, probably. The Ravens sound even more cutthroat than the Palmetto State Foxes. <laughs> and I'm sure the, the, the university does nothing. Like, Edgar Allen's just like, well, you know, it happens. It's sexy. Yeah. Well, because also something that they that we didn't touch on it but it's brought up in the book is that actually the Ravens games are all just a front for the Moriyamas to do shady business and like bring in out of towners <laughs> which like on low key um because we live in Louisville and University of Louisville had a scandal a few years back with their basketball team where um basically like to recruit people they were using escorts and it was like a whole thing it's pretty interesting but I was like I don't know that tracks <laughs> yeah that, that one's believable to me it's like yeah okay yeah of, of all the things in this book mm-hmm. um all right well our final dramatic reading we're just um you know hit up the salad bar get your cracker dust and that's where we're going mm-hmm. and i will be neil and rachel will be nikki and adrian will be andrew so everyone get short <laughs> <laughs> Cracker dust. Heard of it? Tastes like sugar and salt and gives you a small rush. Sure you don't want in? Drugs are stupid. Ouch. That's judgmental. I'm not going to apologize for thinking you're being idiotic. Is your spine the spine of the righteous? Are you trying your best to step on my toes because you're feeling the tragic weight of the holier than thou? Righteousness is for people who don't know any better. Easy, easy. Dust isn't bad. It just makes the night more interesting. You think Kevin would risk his future over a night out at the club? What future? (laughs) Kevin Uh, shot Neil a black look, but Nikki intervened before he could say anything. Drink with us if if you won't dust with us. 
Down the hatch on three. (laughs) Arguing would be fruitless when the four had left their common sense at the door. So Neil picked up his glass in silence. Nikki counted them off and Neil knocked his shot back. As soon as it hit the back of his throat, Neil knew he'd make a serious mistake. He'd made a serious mistake. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so there are a few things that this book taught me that Nora does not know about. One is drugs. Two is alcohol. (laughs) Three is um, what clubs are like. Because um, anyway, um, the fourth is, yeah, fourth is sports because, again, like I said, we live in Louisville, and if XE is such a big sport, why are no couches being burned? Hmm? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> why are no couches being burned? Um, why are no cars being overturned? Hmm? Yeah, where's the um, riots of people really Where are the like riots? Where's the passion? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. um, and also, I don't know. Yeah. Those are, those are the things that I learned from this book. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Um, all right. Well, why don't we play some Would You Rather? Would you rather read the next book in this series or watch an Exy game? I would rather watch an Exy game because I assumed that someone would actually explain the rules. And I do enjoy hockey. And it seems like they're really similar, except not. So... Yeah, I'd rather watch an Exy game because I assume that's going to be a maximum of like two or three hours, whereas this book on Audible was eight hours, Oof. and I wish I could get those eight hours back. Oof. So I, literally... I would go the route of minimal time investment. <laughs> literally exactly what I was going to say, and my reasoning, uh, an Exy game can't possibly be as long as an audio. this audiobook was, and if it was, <laughs> I, I, I can't. So, yes, I would rather watch an Exy game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, even if it was, like, some hellish eight-hour Exy game, like, they have cheerleaders who are called the Vixens, just like in Riverdale. Like, you know, I just feel like there would be more of a spectacle, like, more more to entertain me, even all things being cons- equal lengthwise. I would watch Exy. And I don't even really like sports, but I really didn't like this book. You know, I'd also be really excited to be in an Exy game because... I would assume I would be with a bunch of other people and that that would mean that we had reached herd immunity mm-hmm. and everything That's would be true. safe again. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right. That is true. I would pretty much do anything to go out with a group of people right now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I paint my face orange. Watch me. Yeah. Do it. Look, if I got to go out and have a night out with some friends, I would be willing to eat cracker dust. For <laughs> uh, well, before that, would you rather um, would you rather be picked up at the airport by medicated or unmedicated Andrew? <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess I should say medicated or sober. Or sober. Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess I would rather be picked up at the airport. By manic, by medicated Andrew, because when he's medicated, he's manic. Or I would hope, for the purposes of my story and his illness, he would be nice to me, mm-hmm. or at yeah, least I, pretend to be Aaron. Yeah. Well, I think when he's unmedicated is when he pretends to be Aaron. 
I I mean, like, I really don't want to be in a car with either one. But when he is medicated, he seems less violent. So, like, big picture, would love for him to get his dosage adjusted. But, like, short picture, I'm going to go with the less violent one, which I think is when he's medicated. Hmm. Possibly. I, yeah. Unclear, but I... Uh, I, I'm gonna say a, a sober Andrew. Um, I don't know. I'd like to think that I, I would, uh, I would trick him so that I could steal his medication and give it to the team psychologist and be like, hey, you need a checkup on this dose. All right. Well, last up, would you rather eat cracker dust from Sweeties or eat at Steaks and Cakes, which is, of course, the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle, the movie that only serves whole steaks and whole cakes. Uh, Steaks and Cakes, of course. Steaks and Cakes, yeah. Yeah, well, drugs are stupid. Yeah, drugs are stupid, and I am holier than thou, so Steaks and Cakes. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Um, Okay, great. Uh, Well, we'll meet at Steaks and Cakes after the Exy game. Um, We'll move on on to Reader's Advisory, where we'll recommend some stuff to read or watch instead of or in addition to Box Hill Court. Um, We're just going to kind of breeze through this because we're low on time, but we'll have more up on our website, which is worstbestsellers.com. And my main thing that I want to say is just fan fiction. And sometimes people write to us and say, like, where do I find fan fiction? And we have written a helpful guide for you to find fan fiction. And we will link to it on this post. And just, you know, if you want to read about, like, sad, horny boys, there's a lot of fan fiction. Just find it. Read Mm. it. Yes. Um, I said Kung Fu High School by Ryan Gaddis. I haven't read this book in a very long time, but I remember that it was, like, very campy. There were helpful illustrations for things that, like, you wouldn't know about. Um, And also there was random gang affiliations for no reason. Um, And then One Tree Hill, because there is sports, there's drama, um weird familial relationships and also some bad stuff that you're like wow i can't believe they did that because it started in like 2009 so (laughs) all right we'll have more on the website let's move on to candy pairing my candy pairing for this book is raven's revenge uh, because in addition to having a thematically appropriate name, consuming it is all around not a pleasant experience. What is what is Raven's Revenge? Is it a liquor? It's like a, it's no, like it's a powder dust? candy. It's like candy <laughs> sticks, but very sour. Ew. And they come in a test tube. Oh, okay. I love those. Those are my, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're very extreme. It is. It's extreme. I remember there was a, yeah, I, I would die when I found those in a candy store when I was a kid because I got so excited. <sighs> I recommended uh, Japanese rice cracker candies. They're like frosted little rice crackers. Uh, just make sure you don't mistake them for the other crackers, you know, mm-hmm. the cracker dust. Uh, I said candy cigarettes, but you have to eat them while you're, um, while you light a candle that smells like tobacco because Neil smokes cigarettes only to remind him of his mom his dead mom yeah all right <laughs> uh not one of his teammate moms <laughs> not um, one of his teammate moms yeah. <laughs> they also die i don't know okay my candy is very specific but i've been using our little hiatus to read some good books 
And I reread Kristen Kishore's Graceling books in preparation for the new one, Bitter Blue. Um, and those books are great. And you should, they're way better than this. Um, they're not at all like this, but they're way better. And one of the things in it is that Bitter Blue has a chef who is graced with the ability that he, it's sort of like mind reading, but the only thing that they can tell is what exact food you're in the mood for at that moment. And so what the candy, what this book's candy pairing is, if that chef went to my nemesis, Rob Lowe, and read his mind and was like, okay, this is Rob Lowe's ideal food, but then he gave it to me. And I'm like, no, this is trash. I do not want what he wants. And that to me, this book is exactly custom tailored to Nora's wants and needs and to her hunger. And that is not at all my hunger. And thank you for walking down the long road of this metaphor with me, but that's what this book's candy pairing is. All right. Well, let us play Rock, Paper, Snicked, the game where Kate will say who Wolverine... Nope. Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be in this book. And Rachel and Adrian can say which would most enhance the book. Or paper, which just leaves the book as is. Great. So if The Rock was in this book, he would be the new assistant coach hired to take Kevin's place now that he's playing. Um, and basically, he would do like the stuff that The Rock does in a movie. I haven't seen a lot of Rock movies, but I assume in action movies, he goes against like mob people. Uh, and he'd get rid of all the mobsters who are after these boys. And uh, then they could play their weird ass sport in peace. Well, if Wolverine were in this book, he would be the PSU hockey coach. He would single-handedly convince the school to cancel EXI and give all the EXI funding to hockey. Uh, he would recruit Danielle, Renee, and Allison to play hockey, and the rest of these guys could go get fucked. I vote Wolverine, because I would like EXI to be canceled, and I would like better for the women in this book. Uh, I, I gotta go with The Rock, because... Uh, I just really like the idea of The Rock stepping in and trying to, like, give motivational speeches and uh, just, you know, tell Coach Wymack he's a dumbass. Perfect. And, like, I would watch and read both of those. I um, would, too. So everyone wins. And real quick, what do we think the moral of the story is? Uh, my moral of the story is just say no to drugs that are legally prescribed by your doctor with the intention of making you healthy. <laughs> I said psychologists bad or well psychologists or psychiatrists whatever there's no difference right bad uh, calling people stars is okay when you're in the same sports ball team real men don't have mental health ah! mm. alright now time so for good. Duarte's corner where my cat Duarte will share his opinions on the book Duarte, you're right. The team, it would be better if the team were called the Cats than the Foxes, but also they suck. So you're better staying out of it, frankly. <laughs> and I also agree that I don't understand why they were so confused about what like charitable organization they should give to. It's obvious that they should just go to a pet shelter and like help all the cats there. Absolutely. Support the ASPCA. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Duarte. Do any humans have any closing thoughts? This was bad. It was bad. Um, and thank you guys so much for coming on the show. It was terrible to read this book, but great to talk to you. This was fun. Yes. This was yes. Fun. And 
And if you liked hearing Rachel and Adrian on our show, you should listen to their show, which is called After Adult. And also Kate and I will be on that show. And it's a whole crossover event. So check out both parts. Mm-hmm. If you if you listen to this, you know where we are. We're on internet, worst bestsellers ever, except for Twitter, which is worst bestseller with no S because the S died from a cracker dust overdose, but no one cared. <laughs> Um, yeah, you, so you you know this whole section. We're just going to skip it because we're already over time. Um, where can guys find you on the internet, Rachel and Adrian? Afteradult.com. And uh, then we're on Twitter at afteradultpod. And uh, Rachel? And afteradult on Instagram. And and then I'm on Twitter at, at civilianrachel. And I, as my uh, pseudonym Siri Doll, am on Twitter at the real Siri PS, but giant content warning because my profession is adult films. It is an extremely not safe for work Twitter feed. Unless and your mine... work is porn. And then yeah. correct. Safe for work. Then it's really safe for work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And mine and mine, because it's I have mine just for the podcast. So maybe some unsafe for work content. We're all working from home anyway, except for librarians and others. Anyway, thank you for joining us. We'll see you on your podcast. And at Worst Bestsellers, we're, we're back into books now. And we'll be back in two weeks with The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler, which is a really big tonal shift. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>